Please be advised that this podcast is not a production of the City of Greater Bendigo. The views and ideas expressed in this podcast do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas of the City of Greater Bendigo Council or organisation. Canberra Bound, staying connected in regional and rural communities and celebrating the next generation of young artists. Hello, my name is Matthew Evans and welcome to this week's episode of my weekly podcast in our local community. Hello and welcome to episode two of In Our Local Community, my weekly podcast. As I said before, my name is Matthew Evans. I'm an Epilogue Ward Councillor at the City of Greater Bendigo Council. It's wonderful to have you listening in to this week's show, so thank you for taking the time to tune in, whether that's listening through wherever you get your favourite podcasts or if you're actually watching the video podcast on my YouTube channel. I really appreciate you taking the time, especially on the King's Birthday public holiday. You might be might have had a sleep in and you might be just catching up. You might be watching this before the big game between Melbourne and Collingwood, the big freeze at the G. So I'm hoping that the D's will get the win today, although it should be a fantastic con- uh, contest. Collingwood are the team to beat. But this is not really about sport and football, so we'll stick to the politics, but basically quickly go D's. So uh, as always, feel free to get in touch with any questions or comments on some of the uh, things we discuss in the podcast today, or if there's anything that you would like me to discuss, then please get in touch. All my contact details are on my website, mattyevansmedia.com, and I'm also on social media. I'm on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, LinkedIn, and of course, YouTube. So uh, as uh, some of you might have noticed, if you're watching the video podcast and you're looking at the description on YouTube, and if you're actually listening to this via uh, RSS or wherever you get your favorite podcasts, I've added segments or chapters so that if there's a specific part of the podcast that you would like to listen to, then you can go straight to that. And whilst I would appreciate, or I'm certainly uh, would be definitely appreciative if you listen to the entire show, I know that time is very much of the essence. We've all got uh, things to do. We're all very busy. Maybe on this week's edition, you might have a little extra time on your long weekend, but if there's anything in particular, you can go to a specific segment or chapter. So uh, hopefully that makes it easier for you if you're listening for a particular topic rather than just uh, going through the timeline there. And one other thing I just would hope is in making it easier and more accessible. If this is something that, uh, or something that's discussed, might be of interest to someone that you know, or more broadly, feel free to share with them. I'm hoping to get this podcast as far and wide as possible, but this is a free resource for everybody. So if there's something in particular, please share, please uh, spread the word about this podcast, and uh, yeah, we'll hopefully get more people tuning in and engaging and hopefully discussing more of the things that you would like to know more about. So uh, as we've discussed, and as you probably now know about this podcast, this is the podcast where we talk about some of the things that have happened in the week just been. I'll talk about some of the things that I've been up to. uh, And we'll also share uh, and discuss about some of the key things facing our community uh, and what's to come over the weeks and months ahead. Of course, we'll 
cover the topical issues and we're going to have quite a few in this week's episode as well. Um, we're going to be talking in this week's episode about the Raw Arts Awards presentation, which was a simply phenomenal showcase at the Capitol Theatre on Thursday, but we'll discuss that more in greater detail. We'll go through a bit of an update on the Bendigo Municipal Baths Project, which is of great interest there in the CBD of Bendigo. And we'll give a bit a brief snapshot of uh, Heath Got On Show, which has been a major event. And if you happen to be watching this on the King's Birthday Public Holiday and you haven't been, uh, you've got an opportunity today. It's uh, on today, but of course, uh, there's always next year because it's such a wonderful event and so far it's been really great. But we're going to talk more about that in the podcast as we go forward. Uh, some of the key topics that we're going to unpack in this episode is uh, I will provide an update on a, uh, a motion that I put forward earlier at one of our council meetings regarding telecommunications and digital connectivity in regional and rural communities. I'll provide a bit of an update on that and how that's progressed, uh, particularly ahead of uh, this week, where I, along with the Deputy Mayor and the CEO, uh, will be heading to Canberra for the National General Assembly of the Australian Local Government Association. And there's also the Australian Council of Local Government event all in Canberra this week. So we'll unpack that a bit further. We'll preview what uh, what we're expecting and uh, a bit about the week and what's to come. Uh, and then, of course, uh, we'll preview some of the things that are happening uh, outside of that. Uh, so that's basically what this episode is going to be about. So let's get straight into it and let's discuss some of the news and events of the week that's just been. So we've got the news and events of the week that's just been, and of course, like always, there's a lot happening, and we'll get stuck into it, but one of the main things that happened this week, of course, was the Raw Arts Awards 2023. That showcase event took place at the Capitol Theatre on Thursday night, and it showcased the amazing work of our region's up-and-coming artists. The visual arts entries uh, were also uh, on display at Dudley House over the weekend, so again, if you happen to be watching this uh, episode or listening to this episode uh, on the King's Birthday public holiday, uh, it's actually still open at Dudley House. So if you by chance haven't seen it, go check it out. Uh, but all of the works, whether it was the visual arts or the performing arts, they were uh, exceptional. And a huge shout out to all of the young artists who uh, entered the competition. I know some of them had even entered multiple categories, which is a phenomenal effort it completely blows my mind uh, but congratulations and kudos to you for for putting in your submissions and for uh, having a crack as well and i also want to uh, shout out to the judges too because uh, no doubt this was a very challenging task so many entries all equally talented and all deserving of uh, deserving of prizes but it is a very difficult task and uh, i'll share with you now uh, the winners in each of the categories and most of these awards, in fact, all of these awards had some form of prize, a, a monetary prize of some kind. So there is quite an incentive here. So, But also, more importantly, great recognition for the work that they do. So in the performing arts category, uh, Ryan McPartlane was the winner for his uh, for his song. And uh, Denali Dharmadasa was highly commended uh, for her dance uh, performance. So congratulations to those two. They were the category winners of the performing arts category in the literary award anna dunnacliffe wells was the winner 
and Levity Camilleri was highly commended as well. So congratulations there to Anna and Levity. In the short film category, Sarah Hancock was the winner and Jin Turpy was highly commended. And both of those films were displayed on the night in the showcase and they were of high quality. So congratulations to Sarah and Jin. The visual arts category uh, was won by Bethany Mansfield and uh, Tess Sillery was highly commended. Uh, Bethany's was a, a beautiful portrait, which is again on display in Dudley House. And Tess was uh, was a sculpture, which uh, I, think, I believe it is a sculpture, yes. So uh, congratulations to Bethany and Tess. And the winner of the Yo Bendigo Ambito Prize uh, was Sammy Johnston uh, for her piece, uh, a written piece, which was uh, simply uh, moving as well. So uh, quite uh, wonderful prizes there. All fantastically talented artists. Uh, some of the names there that I've mentioned are ones to watch, but there were also ones who uh, who entered the competition who also performed uh, at the showcase uh, who were who didn't uh, on this occasion get awards, but their performances were absolutely mind blowing, and there were a, a number of performances that were worthy of winning. So. Uh, so for next year, I certainly encourage everybody who uh, missed out to apply again, uh, but keep having a go. Keep applying for this award. This is such a wonderful award. It's, I think it's in its, uh, I'm not sure how old the awards are. I think, I think it's almost 20 years. I might be wrong there, but I need to fact check that. But uh, the Raw Arts Awards are such a fantastic program, a great initiative to celebrate the work of up-and-coming artists. And if you're a young person who uh, is a young artist, I certainly recommend that you uh, put yourself in in the running to win uh, the Raw Arts Awards in those categories uh, next year. And if you are someone who knows a young artist who needs that bit of encouragement, please encourage them to enter because this is such a wonderful program. It's great recognition of young artists and just empowering them to hopefully progress. But uh, certainly blown away by this year's caliber. Uh, It goes from strength to strength every year. So well done to everyone who's taken part in the Raw Arts Awards for 2023. So another story this week relates to the Bendigo Municipal Baths Project. And This week, the city has commenced work on the Municipal Baths Project, which will transform the site next to the Faith Leach Aquatic Centre in Barnard Street into an urban park with a lakeside loop track and a boardwalk to open it up for community use. The $3 million project is being funded by the City of Greater Bendigo and is expected to be complete before the end of 2024. More information about the project will be on the city's website and I will provide a link in the description so you can check that out. But this is such a wonderful project. I'm particularly excited to see this progress. Uh, Those who live or uh, frequent the area will have seen the water being drained. Um, There's a lot of works being conducted there, but that work is progressing. Things like the uh, rehabilitation of the wall, remediating the land, all that sort of stuff. Um, and all of the, the works uh, that are associated with this project are actually on that website. So, uh, But this is going to be a big project. It will transform the space. It'll be a wonderful uh, addition to Rosalind Park. It's all part of the broader Rosalind Park master plan. So it's good to see this particular part 
of the Rosalind Park master plan being realised. And we know that this is right near the Bendigo Bowls Club where the bowls will be held for the Commonwealth Games. So this site is going to completely transform. It's going to be completely amazing. Many people will be able to enjoy it before the Games, during the Games, and of course, well beyond the Games. So very excited to see that this particular project is making progress. Of course, Heathcote on Show, which is happening right now across the King's Birthday Long Weekend, is another major event that is an iconic event on the calendar. Of course, artists and winemakers, brewers, distillers and musicians have been putting on a show and really showcasing uh, the Heathcote region and what our region has to offer. And uh, one of the events that I was particularly pleased to attend, along with Councillor Greg Penner, my fellow Epilogue Ward Councillor was the official opening of Envy Distilling in Ladies Pass. And it was great to see so many people there too. Uh, they were opening up the uh, the distillery. Uh, they were uh, making drinks, of course, G&Ts, uh, as you would, of course. There were tacos there as well for people to enjoy. But it was all part of the festivities. And what a way to open it on World Gin Day, which is one of my favorite days, but also uh, during Heathcote on Show, which is, again, a major event. So a quick shout out to Nathan and Vanessa, uh, the owners of Envy Distilling, uh, Distilling. And it's fantastic. Congratulations on all their hard work, their vision to uh, bring this uh, to fruition um, and also to open up another business in the Heathcote region. Of course, if you have a chance, uh, whether it's during Heathcote on Show or just in general, and if you're a local or if you are from far and wide, make sure that you visit one or all of the businesses in the Heathcote region because it is such a wonderful, uh, rich region. Of course, well known for its wine, its distilleries, uh, for its food culture, a very strong link to the City of Gastronomy accreditation that the City of Greater Bendigo has. But it is such a wonderful, livable community too. So I highly recommend, and I don't just say that as a ward councillor that has Heathcote uh, in the ward, but certainly at any stage, any time, Make sure you visit the Heathcote region and support the local businesses there. And now that you know that Heathcote on show is always on the King's birthday long weekend, make sure you book it in for next year because it's certainly set to grow for next year. So another big story from this week was Regional Cities Victoria having formally put out a legacy document regarding the Commonwealth Games. And in that they've made significant key asks. And as it was reported in The Age, Regional Cities Victoria wants $2 million for each of its 10 member councils so that they can upgrade and repair sports facilities, in addition to a $30 million tourism campaign promoting the regions. Uh, there's also an ask for $30 million to create new parks and upgrade existing open spaces before the Commonwealth Games, which are held in March 2026. Um, for those who, who don't know, uh, Regional Cities Victoria includes uh, some of the host cities, including Ballarat, Bendigo, Geelong, La Trobe City, and Shepparton. Uh, and uh, the key argument is very much that uh, the event should leave a legacy for all regional Victorians, not just those who host, uh, not just the host cities. So this is something that I completely agree with, and uh, there needs to be a tangible legacy uh, that last beyond the games, not just whilst the games have been delivered, but so that communities right across uh, regional and rural areas uh, are supported and set up into the future. And uh, I know that um, 
in previous models where we've had the Olympics or other games where there's been significant investment and it's supported community development. And I know that um, some, including the Premier of Victoria, have said that this is supposed to be the regional development games. And so it really, in my view, needs to to live up to that. And of course, uh, for, um, as some of you may know, uh, our Mayor, uh, Councillor Andrea Metcalf, is also the Chair of Regional Cities Victoria. And she also sp- spoke about the opportunity uh, spe- specifically regarding that tourism fund because uh, during the Birmingham Games, there were uh, over a billion and a half people uh, watching the Commonwealth Games right across uh, the world. But there's such a great interest. And of course, people will want to come and visit. So there needs to be things that support the promotion and the tourism uh, marking element. Of course, it's not just for the uh, cities that will be hosting, but all parts of the region uh, as well. And uh, another thing that came out of that article in The Age was uh, something about the Victorian government still being under pressure to explain how it will fund the Games. And, um, and the Victorian government had committed $2.6 billion uh, to the event, um, but there's been little detail in the 2023-2024 uh, state budget. Um, and the total cost of the Games remains unclear. And I've also said uh, publicly and privately as well that at this point in time, we do not know what uh, our contribution is going to be. I suspect that's the same case for others. Uh, that said, though, it should become very clear in, or it should become clear in the next few months, uh, especially when uh, things like the Athletes Village will start uh, getting into the ground and start properly developing. Uh, there's also uh, other event uh, or games infrastructure, for example, things like accommodation, uh, which is not necessarily in our remit. But again, some of the detail around this will start to emerge. This year was always very much doing the design and scope and the planning and from uh, hopefully towards the back end of this year, right up to the March 2026 uh, time is when uh, the shovels are in the ground and the things get going. So, uh so in terms of the cost of the games, expect to see things in the next few months. It would be safe to say that that would be the case. It's not too controversial that that's going to be uh, the case, but certainly stay tuned for more about that. And of course, uh, I'm someone who is very much supportive of having major events in the regions. I'm a big supporter of the Commonwealth Games. Of course, we need to make sure that we are uh, not just having the games in the sake uh, in the regions just for the sake of it, but that we're also providing the support to the regions as they continue to grow as well. But I'll certainly provide more updates on the Commonwealth Games and uh, yeah, talk about any developments that come to light. But uh, yeah, keep watching this space because there's certainly more to come and it's an ever-evolving um, uh, development. It actually... Every time I usually talk about the games, it's always something new that comes up. So uh, stay tuned for more updates on the Commonwealth Games. And of course, if there's anything that you want to know more about some of the things I've just discussed, then feel free to get in touch uh, via uh, my contact details, which are on my website, maddieevansmedia.com, or getting in touch via social media. We're now going to talk through one of our main topics for this week's podcast, and it's about a motion that I put forward to a council meeting earlier in the year regarding telecommunications and digital connectivity in regional and rural communities. So to take you back to, I think, our 
February ordinary meeting earlier this year, I put up a notice of motion for us to take to the MAV, the Municipal Association of Victoria State Council, and to the Australian Local Government Association General National General Assembly uh, on the topic of telecommunications and digital connectivity in regional and rural communities. Uh, the motions called for both levels of government to provide greater investment in telecommunications and digital connectivity in regional and rural communities to support increasing populations and industries, growth in jobs and investment, and to remove the technological divide. Uh, and a quick update, I'm pleased to say that uh, the motion was successful at the MAV State Council. The other motion that the City of Greater Bendigo put up was the motion put together by our Deputy Mayor, Councillor Jennifer Olden, on divestment from fossil fuel entities. So it was good to see both of those motions passed. So it was good to see that happen, and we'll be taking both of those motions to the National General Assembly of the Australian Local Government Association in Canberra, which we'll cover off in the next uh, main topic, and we'll give a bit of a preview about that. So what I wanted to do to talk about now is just about the key arguments about the, the motion and why we put it together and what we're essentially seeking out of it. So, um, so basically what it is about, what the whole motion is about, and it's not just regarding digital infrastructure, but take your pick on any form of infrastructure. As a matter of principle, as regional communities grow, you need to provide the infrastructure that supports that. So what this motion is about in this sense is it's about supporting regional and rural communities to grow in a sustainable way and to support their growth. And so there were several key arguments that I made. The first key argument that I made was regarding helping businesses to grow and operate efficiently and to support the local economy. And not just our local economy, but local economies across the country and across the state. So in the motion, I uh, in the part of the supporting material, I uh, referred to a couple of the big operators, the large-scale businesses that operate out of Greater Bendigo. So the two examples that I gave uh, were the Bendigo Bank and Talus, both of them large players, larger than critical in terms of the functioning of our broader economy, but large uh, employers in the region, a lot of customers too. So, uh, so when it comes to that, it's not just incentivizing current businesses that are of that scale uh, or supporting uh, new businesses to establish in regional communities, but really to support all businesses, whether you're a small business, a medium enterprise, or if you're just a sole trader, um, everyone, or even anyone in general, really, we all need and rely on strong uh, telecommunications and digital connectivity. We know some of the things that we experience, uh, whether it's dropouts or lagging or things like that. So, and it's really critical that uh, businesses, whether it's farming, uh, agricultural businesses, businesses that rely on good connectivity, that we are able to support that. So that was one of the key points. The other key point was a, a basic one, and that is supporting population growth. Now, one of the uh, statistics that blew me away when I was researching this motion, and it's applicable to both the uh, state context and the national context is based on the most recent census data. Uh, the population of Australia grew by over 832,000 people, which was 11%. And for a few years, regional uh, the, the population growth in regional communities outpaced those in metropolitan areas, which 
was largely a phenomenon linked to the pandemic, but still a large boost in the population and hence puts the pressure uh, for us to uh, develop the infrastructure that can support those uh, communities. And as part of that ABS data that I found, uh, Bendigo's population had grown by almost 66%. So whether it's our community or more broadly, you can look at other regional communities and see how their growth has been astronomical in some spaces. Uh, it really underscores the point on why we need to have the infrastructure. We need to be proactive in providing that infrastructure so that uh, those communities that are growing at a rapid rate can um, grow. Uh, the other key point, which was, I think, a, a critical point too, is that uh, we need to reduce and hopefully remove the inequality uh, and the digital divide. Uh, and there is a bit of a divide uh, largely happening between metropolitan areas and regional areas. Now, slight digression, if I may, uh, it's important to acknowledge that uh, there are connectivity issues in metropolitan areas. There are some parts where they're in, particularly in the growth corridors of Melbourne, or even some areas where there are just there is just poor reception. There, there are constant dropouts. So I do acknowledge that there are these issues playing out in metropolitan areas as well, and it does need to be addressed there too. Uh, but there are particular gaps in the divide between uh, regional communities, uh, regional remote communities, and our metropolitan counterparts, uh, particularly when it comes to access to health and education, and just relying on good connectivity to be able to access those services. And there's been a number of reports that have been put together, uh, whether it's expert reports from Infrastructure Victoria or a number of reports talking about this divide. Uh, we really need to address it. So being proactive in investment and helping the regions and uh, rural communities with their digital infrastructure ensures that we can uh, reduce that divide and bridge the gap, uh, particularly when it comes to health ed education. So, and the final one, of course, is uh, and the key point, which sort of encapsulates all the other things that we know, is that there are current issues uh, regarding uh, connectivity playing out. So particularly when it comes to emergency responses, a lot of commission reports and everything like that that we've heard, and especially on the back of the most recent uh, flood events that we've had in October and more recently, uh, I think in December or January, that particularly hurt the Heathcote community where they got lots and lots of rain. Uh, we all rely on emergency. Uh, so, so whether it's during bushfire seasons or whether it's through flood emergencies, we all depend on being connected uh, via uh, connected to the emergency app. And in some cases, whether it's regional, uh, rural, or even uh, in metro with, uh, I think, the Maribyrnong uh, flood event, which has been quite typical in the news. Again, being able to access timely information so that people can make decisions to basically get out of the situation or get out of the area, um, and they need to rely on that. And so we can't afford to have uh, lackluster connectivity. We need to make sure that the connectivity is strong. Um, so... Basically, things that we we know and we need it from a safety point of view. So that underscores that. And another thing, particularly in the Victorian context, as we've mentioned before, the Commonwealth Games. Now, 
the Commonwealth Games, of course, will bring a lot of opportunity there. And there are a lot of things that we, we need to think about. And of course, while there's the games infrastructure, there will be work with the accommodation, which that in itself is a big issue. Where are people going to stay? Not just looking after the athletes and the athletes' villages, but the support staff, the volunteers, the families, the tourists that are going to come and watch the games. Where are they going to stay? All that. But one of the things, of course, is going to be the connectivity. Uh, people will rely on, uh, and it's, it's going to cause such high demand on the mobile towers and the temporary infrastructure. So. A lot of people are going to be using the digital connectivity. There's going to be a surge capacity. And I know that the likes of Telstra and Optus will provide the temporary infrastructure that allows to meet that surge capacity. But one of the legacies can be uh, investing in regional communities that are hosting the games, but also the broader regions, uh, upgrading their telecommunications and digital infrastructure so that uh, we can be proactive and get ahead of the curve so that they're not continuously being are left behind. So essentially that they are the main arguments there. Um, and I guess what it all boils down to is a lot of people over many years uh, believe in this principle called decentralization. And uh, for, for quite good reason, it's good to sort of spread the opportunity right across uh, into our, our regional and rural communities. And I'm certainly a, a big believer that uh, as a as Victorians, as a as a side, we should be uh, a state of cities rather than a city state. Rather than just being centered around Melbourne, being uh, opening opportunities to perhaps a second CBD in Melbourne, but also uh, really investing in places like Geelong, Ballarat, Bendigo, Shepparton, uh, Mildura, even uh, Gippsland, so Latrobe, Taralga, Bensdale, water. So basically, our main. Uh, capitals, Albury, Wodonga too, you can chuck them in there as well. Uh, Warrnambool even. We just need to be investing in these. And what this motion is about, and it goes back to that principle, is that if we are going to decentralise, if we're going to provide these opportunities and encourage people to live in regional and rural communities, we need to have the infrastructure that supports that growth, whether it's digital connectivity and digital infrastructure like I've talked about, or whether it's uh, bus shelters, uh, roads, uh, schools, hospitals, all the services that people rely on. And it needs, uh, at various levels, a partnership with community, with local, state and federal governments. So that's the whole motivation. That's a bit about the motion that I put forward. As I said before, uh, it was successful at MAV, so I was pleased to see that. And of course, we'll take it to Canberra. And of course, that's a perfect segue to the next deep dive topic that we're going to talk about, and that is previewing the events in Canberra next week. So we're going to talk now about the Australian Local Government Association National General Assembly in Canberra next week, as well as the Australian government uh, or the Australian Council of Local Government event in Canberra as well. So a bit of an overview of what's happening next week. Uh, councils from right across Australia will gather to debate through several motions and hear from several guest speakers. We'll hear from ministers and shadow ministers. Uh, we're hearing from, for example, the Ukrainian ambassador, uh, which will be an exciting thing. Of course, he visited Bendigo last year. Uh, and there'll be also a number of forums, uh, 
offshoot meetings. Uh, of course, there's always the, the uh, opportunities to connect with other councillors, other council organisations. Basically, everyone from across the local government sector will be in Canberra next week, as I said, for the National General Assembly of the Australian Local Government Association in Canberra but also the Australian Council of Local Government. Um, there's a few dinners as well, which I'm looking forward to. There's one at Parliament House, which uh, as someone who's a bit of a political nerd, I'm looking forward to that. But of course, there is a purpose as to why we're going. It's not a complete junket. Uh, I'm conscious of those who will think that is the case. Uh, but there's actually business that we have to do and we have to get done. So as I mentioned before, there are the motions that... Uh, the city of Greater Bendigo had previously adopted. I've obviously spent a lot of time talking about the motion that I've put forward regarding uh, telecommunications and digital connectivity in regional and rural communities, but also we'll be advocating for the motion that uh, the Deputy Mayor, Councillor Jennifer Alden, had put together regarding divestment from fossil fuel entities. And that motion, of course, was successful at MAV as well. And so both the motions that we are putting up uh, we will be uh, moving those and debating those, as well as other motions that are going to be put from councils right across Australia. So we'll be participating in that. So there'll be the official business there. We'll also be participating in meetings with uh, ministers, with government agencies, with other people, and we'll be advocating for our region. We'll be advocating for some of the projects that uh, are very much front of mind from the city of Greater Bendigo, and also more broadly, things like the World Heritage Bid, uh, and various other things as well, which matter to you. So, and and to our community as well. So, uh, we'll very much be advocating on behalf of our region as well. As I alluded to before, we'll meet with uh, ministers, MPs. We'll meet with a lot of people, but uh, we'll basically be showcasing our region, advocating on behalf of our region, and the aim will be to get some good and strong outcomes for our city and region. So. That's the objective. That's the hope. It'll be a long week. Uh, it'll be a cold week. Uh, Canberra at this time of the year is always uh, very, very frosty, but uh, I'm sure that we will get some productive work done there. So, of course, in next week's episode, we'll unpack how the week went. I'll share some of the highlights uh, via social media and I'll put a bit of a montage together. Um, but certainly tune into next week's episode so that I can unpack the events with you and see what uh, happened during the week. And uh, hope and see what some of the outcomes might be. So tune in to next week for that. So as you've heard, there's been quite a lot happening in our community this week, and of course, a lot to come this week. So. Uh, as we'll discuss, we'll be in Canberra this week, but some of the things to look forward to in the weeks and months ahead. This Friday at the Axdale Tavern, the Epilogue Ward listening post will be on. Uh, unfortunately, I can't be there as I'll be traveling back uh, from Canberra, but I know that my fellow councillor colleagues, uh, Councillor Greg Penner and Councillor Margaret Rock will be there. So there's a listening post, and I think there's a few other listening posts with the other wards too. I think the Lockwood Ward have a listening post there. So check out the city's website for that. Uh, there's obviously a few other things as well happening in the community. Uh, in next week's episode, we're hoping to release the uh, episode on Monday, the 19th of June, uh, of course, in the morning at 7am, just as usual. Uh, we'll recap 
the National General Assembly in Canberra, oh, and of course the, all the other events that have happened in Canberra this week. Uh, there's bound to be some news and events that will be of interest to you. Uh, but uh, certainly stay tuned in uh, to now for next week and, um, and join me there for the episode there. Uh, so basically, it's time to wrap up. That's uh, We've covered a lot in this podcast. Uh, as I've said, you can flick back to any of the particular topics that you would like to uh, to listen back to. But before we, we do wrap up, I would love to know what your thoughts were on some of the things that we discussed today in this week's episode, in previous episodes, in all episodes into the future. But if there's anything in particular that you would like to know or that you would like me to discuss on this podcast, again, feel free to get in touch. All my contact details are on my website, mattyevansmedia.com. And feel free to connect via social media too. I'm on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, Twitter, and of course, LinkedIn, if you are so inclined. So tune in to next week's episode, uh, which will be available on Monday, the 19th of June. Uh, All episodes of the podcast, including this one, are available on my website, on my YouTube channel, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. That's all we have time for today. Thank you for listening in. I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. If you're watching on the King's Birthday Public Holiday, hopefully you've enjoyed a restful long weekend. Go Dees. Hopefully they get the win against Collingwood. Anyway, in the meantime, stay classy, Greater Benico, and see you in our local community.